0: Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, we are joined by Kat Bradley, a professional trail runner for Brooks based in Boulder, Colorado. In this conversation, we reflect back on her experience winning the 2017 Western States 100. We talk about her navigating the professional trail running world in the months and years after that event, her thoughts on social media as an athlete, as well as her decision to recently start a podcast. We talk about her decision to change sponsors last year, as well as the balance between passion and professionalism when setting goals in the sport. I found this to be a really open and honest conversation, and I think you'll really enjoy it and get a lot of value from it, so thank you, Kat. Before we get started, though, if you are a fan of the show, I would love for you to consider supporting Single Track in one of the following three ways first and perhaps most importantly you can leave a rating and short review in both the apple and spotify podcast players this is important because it helps more listeners discover the show second you can consider contributing to our patreon uh, which is patreon.com backslash run single track this helps the show gradually become more listener supported which I think is a great idea. And third, you can use our discount codes with sponsors like Kodiak Cakes, Inside Tracker, and Gnarly Nutrition, all of which will be in the show notes. As always, thank you so much for your consideration, thanks for listening, thanks for your support. It means everything. And with that, let's get on with the show. Alright, Cap Bradley, welcome to the Single Track Podcast.
1: Hey, hey, thank you for having me.
0: So I think the vast majority of people that listen to the show are already very familiar with you and your place in the sport. And for those that aren't, I think I'll just link to other shows you've been on in the past where you kind of delve deep into your background. But we are recording this in mid-October 2022. And uh, I think it's always good to check in. Like, what's what's up with you right now? Like, what's, what's getting you most excited about life these days?
1: Mm, that's a good question. I feel like, you know, I have a ton going on right now that's all exciting and new and like you know it's keeping me really busy and engaged um I just started my own podcast so that is pretty huge um it's the b-rad podcast and it launched yesterday with that I started a newsletter um and just redid uh, my website catb dot um just because I wanted a way to engage with the community. That's not just social media. Um, and a way to, you know, I'm all big on like self-expression and I think the people that, you know, have met me in the sport kind of know that. And I just like love talking to people and, you know, love talking about the sport. So that was kind of the goal in that. And then, um, I'm also about to, I'm gearing up for um, Porto Valerta, which is um, coming up here in a couple weeks. It's a hundred miler in at the end of October. And, um, you know, I had just a few years of like almost no training and just not being able to get in a group. And, you know, so on top of like launching this podcast, I'm also like training more than I have in like <laughs> like three years um, so uh, staying busy on that front, and then also I'm getting married, new thing, you know. Hey, so congrats. that's you know, planning a wedding, yeah. Thanks, I'm so stoked, and um, Carson, my partner's really stoked, and it's just wild to you know plan a wedding. Um, and we like we were like, ah, we don't want to be engaged for a, like two years, you know. Um, <clears throat> so we you know, are getting married in February, and there's a lot of uh, boxes to check, <laughs> and I am disorganized, so I'm not like a great person to plan a wedding. But it's been really, it's been fun, and we're doing it together. Um, and then also, what else is going on? And then you know, at my stuff. I'm I'm coaching and working with brands, and so it's you know just a lot of staying busy and really. I feel like for the first time in a long time, I've got like ducks in a row, <laughs> which is thank God. <laughs>
0: That's great to hear. I took a bunch of notes there. And one thing that stuck out, you mentioned doing UTMB Mexico later this month. And I think that is a relatively new race on a lot of listeners radar. And there's so many other events going on right now, like Javelina's in a couple weeks. I know you're mm-hmm. well, uh, very familiar with that. There's the World Champs in November, Ultra Trail Cape Town. There's so many other concurrent events happening. I'm curious what, what drew you to that event? Because uh, it looks kind of exotic and exciting to me.
1: Well, that's one reason alone is like, it's exotic and exciting. Um, another huge reason is that it's part of the UTMB race series and to, um, you know, race UTMB and then to qualify as elite, like that whole system changed. So, hmm. you know, I I don't know what I'm going to race really for 2023 exactly, but, you know, UTMB is always on the list and I'd like to keep my options open. Hmm. Um until I really hardcore decide. Um, but also, um, you know, I really, I had a disappointing CCC and for a lot of reasons, you know, I, I hurt my knee like three weeks before. Um, and it was like a purple sack before the start. And, you know, idiotically I was like, you know, idiotic optimism is really good sometimes. And in this case, like, I think it was good too. I'm really, I'm, glad I started um but I it was foolish to you know I was like limping after my long runs up until the Friday before the Friday race so and so I just you know I I after CCC I was like you know DNFing I just changed my mindset and I was like I have to like if I get hurt like this, you know, if I would addressed it like a professional and seen someone about it instead of been like, ah, I hit my knee all the time, like it's no big deal and like limped away from that, I, I maybe, you know, I could have finished. And so just like that mindset shift of like, okay, I'm not going to ignore the little things when something happens. And, um, this is a long winded answer to say like, no, you know, I had this, like this, um, flip switch after, after CCC where I was like, okay, something I, and i have been in the process of changing stuff, but I was like, something needs to change. I need to like stop messing around and still messing around in a fun way. But like, you know, I knew there was something severely wrong with my knee. And I just, mm-hmm. you know, that mindset of being like, ah, it's fine. Like that's, you know, that it, it, there's sometimes when you have to take a step back and be like, okay, I'm going to take the concrete steps to fix this and like you know or like in training like okay i'm gonna take concrete steps to plan my week to make sure i get all my running in even though i'm super busy and um you know this opportunity of running 100 miles in opera in october is that you know it's me as as i said earlier getting my ducks in a row and practicing that and I really wanted to race again either way um this season after CCC but I uh you know want to do it within the UTMB series I wanted to do it soon you know with making sure I was healthy and got a training block in and um you know I wanted to go back to what I have had the most success in which is hundreds um you know I I really like that distance. And while I want to keep getting better at all the distances, mm-hmm. I want to like feel myself in a place where I thrive again. And that tends to be in like the last back half of a hundred, you know, knock on desk. I hope that's still the case. I haven't done it since 2019,
0: but <laughs> <Dog>. <laughs> well, you mentioned a lot of interesting stuff there and a little bit earlier you mentioned that uh at least until recently there had been years of little training and it was it was tough to find motivation it was tough to find the groove and i said we weren't going to go back in time but 5 years ago you you won western states and i think at that point you had been in the sport for a while but to a lot of people you you kind of quote came out of nowhere i think to set the table for where i want to go can can you talk about how your life changed when that moment happened and uh whether you were kind of ready for everything that followed like being a winner of western states and having like a new i don't want to say target on your back but like you're a known entity at that point
1: yeah i you know i didn't ever think about what would happen after western states when i was training for western like i was super focused in training and like had huge goals um and and work towards them. You know, I was really methodical with the training and with my day, day to day and, um, was, you know, intentional going into that race, but I never thought about what happened after, you know, I never thought about like the repercussions of that. I just, you know, I'm believed in myself and I was, I'm extremely competitive and passionate. And so like, when I got into that race, I was like, you know, obviously I'm going to, aim to have the best day I could and you know while I was unknown in the sport for like the general public like the people the women in the field knew who I was from running with them and from um you know I'd been racing really solid for a couple years before that it was just like I hadn't gotten an opportunity to line up on a on a start line like western Um, and you know I, I think after that, I, I was, like, all of a sudden shocked with how, you know, it became, like, you know, before I was chasing something, like, a wild dream, and that is, like, amazing. And then when it happens, and... Um, it, you know it's there's a couple things that happen like first it's like what's next yeah you know second you can never go into anything incognito again you know and that's kind of a superpower being like <laughs> like yeah totally i'm it's just great way super to put it. chill i'm not yeah like i am um, you know to it's it's really a, really powerful to to know what you're capable of, but to be underestimated, um, you know, there's no better place to be, I think as a competitor. And, um, and then after, you know, you can't line up on a start line again without being um, picked as a favorite. And then like, you know, I've always, when it's so when I'm not successful at something and when I'm in the process of trying, you know, that's where I'm happiest. And then when I achieve it, like, it's, it's really hard um, because then I, I didn't have a what's next, you know, and that was what the brands that I'd signed with were asking me. And that's what everyone was asking me. And I didn't have one and I didn't have anything that I was, aside from the Grand Canyon FKT, which I did immediately after. Yeah. I didn't have anything like burning that same fire. Um, and then I was, you know, there's just there's just so much that happens when you aren't expecting it to or you're not expecting the outcome. Like... You know, um, I was teaching before and I got laid off as a teacher. So like, you know, it happened at a perfect time, but then I also didn't have anything else, you know, Mm -hmm. immediately after to like look towards or to, to focus on.
0: You mentioned, you used the word repercussions early on there. What were some of the, in your opinion, what were some of the, the repercussions or, um, just some of the negative impacts that you didn't anticipate post Western States?
1: yeah um well, the first thing that like is really you know difficult to talk to, and that you know I've come to i'm at peace with now, but was confusing and sad to me early on is like you know I went from just being able to be friends with you know anyone in the sport that I met into like being a threat to some of the other women in the sport um and you know, I, some people, and it's it, it's faded now. And I think it's been recognized that that was not okay. But people, when other women in the sport, some, and not most of the women in the sport were, like, really wonderful and amazing, um, most of the other top competitors. So, like, this is just, like, the few, but it shocked me, um, were, like, not nice to me. Like, hmm. actively bullying me. I felt like I was in, like, a... Uh, you know, back in high school, where I also was like, not generally loved by like the popular girls. And so I was yeah. like, what is going on? All these people that I've looked up to, and I've been excited to run, or a, a select few, I shouldn't say all these, all these women, um, a select few women were like nasty comments to me on start lines. And, um, you know, just really not nice to me. And um, and I didn't know, and some of them, I, I were my friends before and I just, I just didn't understand. Um, and so that was a repercussion that like was really hurtful and I was all of a sudden isolated, you know, um, Mm. I, I felt like, you know, really and something I was embarrassed about at the time. Um, you know, I was like, what is wrong with me? Um, and then uh, I'm like about to cry. <laughs> it was really hard. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, excuse me. And then also the, the pressure um, that I didn't expect, you know, when I was chasing that dream of winning Western, um, you know, there wasn't any pressure except for the pressure I put on myself. Um, and you know, when you zoom out, it's all pressure that you put on yourself. Like, and I can recognize that now, but back then, like, I was like, oh, I have the pressure from the whole community now, all the, the, like the community expects this for me. And that, you know, wasn't the case. Like no one thinks twice about like your, your success, you know, it's, it's all like internal, but I just, I like the pressure that I put on myself that uh, made me a good athlete and competitive, like all of a sudden turned like toxic. Um, And that was another huge repercussion. Um, Yeah. And then the the last one I'd say is just, you know, and it happened to coincide with me getting laid off um, as a kindergarten teacher and then having income from running um, was like, all right, now I have all this time um, to train. So I guess I'm going to train, you know, and um, I went, and like oh i'm going to train like a pro and like which you know can mean a very different thing if you like aren't professional about it and you don't know what that means you know i think right now a lot of um trail runners and are tra- are full-time pros and they're thriving but like when you know you just it just like almost when you didn't expect it and you don't know how to deal with it and you don't have like a lot of people to talk to about it like hey like how do I do this? <laughs> like, um, it's just, uh, you know, you, you get crazy and obsessive and like, you know, the obsessive behaviors that like work when you're like, have to be very intentional and structured because you're also working full time. Yeah. Like they, it, it like doesn't work when applied to a schedule with like all the time in the
0: world. Well, first things first, I wanted to thank you for sharing that story. And I, I, To me, it's inspirational because my hope is that whether it's a year from now or a couple years from now, there's somebody who has a similar path to you. Maybe they just want to race like Western States or UTMB or Leadville and they're new to the sport and uh, all of these opportunities and changes are coming. They can listen to a conversation like this and and maybe feel less alone and feel like uh, at least there's some sort of playbook or role model out there to uh, to look to. So I, I think it's super awesome what you're saying.
1: Oh, thank you. It's crazy to talk about like five years. It's been, it's been like a while now, (laughs) but it, it, you know, um, it, yeah, it feels like every time I talk about it, even though I've grown so much since then, it just, it like feels like yesterday.
0: With, with your sponsorship in that case, Solomon, like the, the day after you in Western States, do you just have like every single brand knocking on your door and everybody who's anybody wanting to talk to you, stuff like that? Can you, Talk about what that was like. Yeah,
1: Um, It was crazy. Um, I won Western States and then, you know, you have the award ceremony on Sunday. And then Monday I wake up to like over, you know, 25 emails about like sponsorship inquiries, like, and um, then I have to, you know, that's a whole other thing. I have to go through like these negotiations and, you know, this agent like reached out to me and was like, I've already talked to a bunch of people on your behalf. I'm like, what? Like, why? And I'm like, he's like, and then, and then not again, like not having people to talk to about, about it, you know, not having like a lot of people that I'm, you know, it's, it's, the sport has grown like so much in the last five years where, there's more people to talk to about contracts and like opportunity and what you're worth and what you um, deserve. So I just, I had no idea what to expect. So um, what I ended up doing is uh, reaching out to all the like men that I knew, knew I'd heard like, okay, this, the one thing that I do know is women are underpaid still like Mm. You know, I, I remember hearing someone talk about, you know, what, uh, like, a man and a woman on the same team were paid. And it was just, like, appalling. And I knew both of them personally. and um, So I re- just reached out to, like, every guy I knew in the sport with a paid contract. And I was like, you know, I know you don't have to tell me. I know you probably shouldn't. Um, in your contract, but like, I'm trying to make sure I get what I'm paid or what, get paid what I'm worth. And so I reached, I just reached out to everyone, um, just to get an idea. And like about half of them, um, were comfortable enough sharing that information to help. Um, and I'm so grateful. And then I just, you know, had to f- f- figure it out from that. And I ended up signing with Solomon. I'd already been a Solomon ambassador. Um, and, uh, I signed a three-year contract three and a half year contract with them that um, I signed uh, you know I wish I just like wanted to get the whole process over with. Um, and I wish I'd explored my options a little bit more but some of the people that I talked to in negotiating contracts with it was like very intimidating and scary. like first of all, they're all, men that were controlling the conversation, you know, mm. um, and I, you know, didn't, I I was susceptible to being like, I'm a total people pleaser. And I'm, I was susceptible to like, just like bowing down and like, and, and it took a lot of guts to be like, well, I think I deserve a little more, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, based on like this information of people that I can't tell you who gave me what they're getting paid, you know? Um, so I just wanted the whole thing over with. And I, I, you know, that relationship with Solomon, I'd been about Solomon ambassador with them. Um, so that's kind of how that I ended up there.
0: It blows my mind. Well, I guess it doesn't blow my mind, but it's, it's still to some extent shocking to me that even <coughs> five, that even five years ago, uh, these pay disparities were still an issue. And I'm, and I'm assuming that they're still an issue today. I know I've talked to a couple of yeah. brands where, uh, they're trying to rectify it or in some cases they've solved it, but, uh, That's, that's wild to me. Did you ever have any conversations with people inside the brands that gave an explanation for why it was the case or was it just kind of like not even addressed?
1: Um, I think now I'd have, uh, the confidence to have those conversations, but it wasn't addressed. Um, I'd say like, I think I'm, you know, I'd say bring up men. I'd be like, I'm pretty sure the other like men on your team are getting paid more, but, um you know, that was kind of swept under the rug and they'd like give me 5,000 more or something in the offer. But, wow. um, yeah, to answer your question, I know that pay, um, that pay gap in contracts is definitely still there. Even when I was negotiating, um, in 2020, after I left Solomon, it was, um, I know I like. I have an agent now, which is amazing, Yeah, but just in asking, um, you know i have these same conversations and i'm so lucky that you know the a lot of the men in this sport like see why and understand why i'm like a- asking specifics about their contract and um you know it's it's still there yeah but it's hardly gotten better within a few brands it is but you know it's hardly gotten better
0: well just from everything i'm hearing it seems like you have so much wisdom to share on this whole process and I think you've touched on a few of them already, but if you could sum it up, what are some of the other benefits of having gone through this process where it wasn't necessarily a fairy tale post Western states?
1: Um, Like giving all, like talking about all of it. um, You know, I'd say I'm, man, and you're just talking to me now where I feel like I'm just now really on the other side of it i was gonna say it seems like things are great yeah yeah things are really good and honestly it's never been better um but it took going through like insane lows to get here and um you know i feel like going through those lows makes me really appreciate who i am now um you know i feel so I feel like I can maybe help to be a mentor to other women coming into the sport as it helps to grow. Um, I, and I I might have a different answer in like six months when like, you know, this steady feeling, it doesn't feel so new. It's been like, you know, growing just within the last year. Um, But I, I, I'd say just, you know, running I, I tell my athletes like if you feel like you're running away from you know then it's probably not sustainable yeah but if you feel like you're running too like then then you're you're probably growing something great and by that I mean like if you're starting a run to finish a run meaning you're just like getting it over with or if you're like running away running because like you your home life is really bad Or if you're running um, away from like being afraid of getting a poor result Mm. um, versus running to like enjoying running, starting a run because you enjoy every second of that run, even if it's a hard run, you know, you're like enjoying that process of that run and you're not starting a run just to finish a run. That's not the goal of the run is to finish the run. It's to, to be present within the run. And like, if you're, um, you know, and if like, you're thinking and about how grateful you are on the runs and obviously not everything, every run is going to be like this, but it's just like an attitude shift, um, where I feel like one is like frantic and desperate and the other one is like secure and, um, and not dependent on anything except for the process and enjoying the process and i feel like just learning that and i was able to understand that logically before i went through this whole like 5 year roller coaster yeah. but um being able to live it is totally different and you know i i feel like it's i'm a happy person now like a genuinely happy person yeah um I, I feel, like, really secure in my life, even, like, when it's stressful or hard. Um, and I feel secure in my running, even though, like, results aren't reflecting it right now. Like, I'm just – I feel like I'm starting over and just chipping away at that brick. And I, like – you know, and to feel secure in that instead of to always, like, finish a race and, like, like, win. And then to feel, like, still desperate, like it was never enough and never good enough. But, like, you know – it's just a different mentality when you're like running to r- rather than away from.
0: And I should, I should say for the record, you know, you obviously had a fantastic Western States, but after that you had, you had a rim to rim FKT, you had a top 10 at UTMB, you had a podium at Leadville. So I didn't, I didn't mean to cut the story off at, at Western. You had some great results No, no problem. Through, through the pandemic for sure.
1: Yeah. I, I, and then, um, but like at the same thing, you know, those, they were great results, but like, I, again, I was like, you know, I never felt them, um, because I was just like, oh, you know, I thought I wasn't doing enough. So, but that's the biggest lesson I think in these last five years.
0: You said something interesting that you didn't, you didn't feel the, the good results. What does that mean? That's very interesting to me.
1: Um, yeah, I, I, I think like Western States, I definitely felt, but I, I, that was the one, you know, and then there, like, there, I wasn't, there was no expectations before Western, but after Western, like, I, there was all these expectations. And so, like, whatever result I had, I felt like it sh- should have and could have been better or, mm. you know, um, even, like, when I was winning or doing really well, I just, like, um, it just was, like, it was, I just, like, didn't care because I thought I was, I could have done better. Um, even though I like had, I, the racing itself, I still really enjoyed, I was like happy within the racing. Um, but then I'd be like, okay, I need to like do better than that next time. And there's like a difference between being like, oh, I like can do better than that. You know, I think that's healthy. And I think, and I, I think there's always ways to improve, but when it's like, you know, desperate, you have to do better for some, like a different reason Then it's, uh, you know, then it can spiral really quickly.
0: I want to change gears just a little bit. Uh, You mentioned early on in the conversation that you're big on self-expression, which I think is super cool. And you've got this podcast now. And uh, I want to talk about that for a bit, because I feel like the vast majority of athletes in our sport, uh, they kind of stick to the Instagram lane when it comes to telling their story and working on behalf of the brands. And, uh, you're kind of more actively making the move into the written word and long form audio. So uh, can you talk a bit about uh, your thoughts and feelings there? And like, what prompted that uh, that project?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, so I had the idea um, last year, when I was in Iceland, um, with some friends, you know, I was just like thinking about it. And I was like, I think i like I could be good at that. And I think it'd be re- something that would be really fun for me and wouldn't feel like, um, you know, I, it, it wouldn't feel forced. Um, sometimes I have a really difficult time with Instagram. I, I, that medium is not somewhere I thrive. I like, you've just heard me ramble for like what the last 20 minutes or <laughs> something, just like pure rambling. And like, well maybe some people don't like that and that's not some people's way to consume like that's my way to express you know and um i the like i hate taking photos like i hate putting and i don't mind when i'm by myself and i'm on a run and i'm like i see like this morning it was like i was running and it was sunrise and it was fall and the moon was out and it was beautiful and i took a photo but like when i'm with people and I'm, I like hate taking out my phone. or if I'm like camping, I hate taking out my phone. And you know, sometimes it's really good. Um, and my partner's an amazing photographer, so like I'm lucky to have him, but like producing that content on my own is extremely difficult for me. where like writing and talking is just like, I, I can, I'm a talker and I'm a writer. and I love my thoughts, you know kind of stream out in a monologue um and as i'm sure you've noticed in this <laughs> and so i i i just like wanted a, something else other than instagram to express myself and then um and a way to engage with the community like i love this community and i love uh, like all different types of communities so the, uh, you know the podcast i I'm saying it's not just a running podcast. That's because I want to talk to anyone who I can because um, I am so interested in people and the way their minds work. Um, so that's kind of the purpose and like what my vision has been for the podcast. And um, it's evolved a little bit throughout the year, but I really um, got a kick in the ass to do it when I was you know, it was clear that I just was not doing a good enough job representing the brands that I love working with, you know, and I not only were my athletics struggling, um, which, you know, they, they have been, and they have been, um, but so was my presence on social media. And like, I was going through some personal life stuff too that made it really difficult yeah. to share authentically on social media. And then on top of that, like with just running, not going well, and I really wasn't training. Like I like had a couple years where my personal life stress was so crazy that I just wasn't training. And my agent, Tyler, um, was like, "Cat, you're, you're fucking up. Excuse my language. <laughs> He's like, you got to – hopefully I can swear on this. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was like, you got to like change. Something you know, and then so that started with just like, okay, I'm gonna be better about posting on social media, okay, I I need to start actually acting like an athlete and training, um, and like getting my life organized, and uh, so I, you know, so everything's not so scattered and I can get stuff done. And then the podcast, you know, once I started um, biting off small goals and like, okay, I'm doing the training again, okay, I'm doing a better job on social media. I was like, I want to do something where I feel like I can represent myself the way I want to and, you know, talk to other interesting people and then also represent the brands. Well, Uh um, and, and just, you know, again, long form, that's where, that's where I thrive. So that's kind of the progression of why I wanted to start this podcast.
0: Well, I want to go a little bit deeper into the podcast in just a second, but, uh, I'm curious from your perspective, and I'm sure it's different for every brand, but do you get the sense that um, companies like Brooks, Solomon, etc., encourage athletes when they think about their marketing presence to pick the medium that best suits their interests and talents? Or do you think everybody tends to get like cornered into Instagram and they have to do that no matter what?
1: I think whether it's the brands that corner them or the person, I feel like people do feel cornered into Instagram. Um, and that model, even though it's like not working in the same way, um, as it was, but I, I think it's, you know, just the way this marketing is evolving, you know, um, and Instagram is accessible to everyone, even people who are limited on time. And, um, so that you know i think athletes do get cornered into it and unless you're like you know some athletes could get away with maybe not being having a super active social media or online presence or community presence um and anyone can but like you know your opportunity in the sport is going to be limited in terms of um sponsorships but you know if you're you know uh Courtney or a Killian or a, they could I'm, walk off social media and Claire Gallagher did. And she's, yeah. you know, she's in grad school right now. Um, so, uh, you know, she's working a lot and working really hard on things outside of running. Um, but like she, you know, she's dominant and people love her, so she could do it. And, um, but like for the vast majority of athletes, it's, you know, if you want to have a career in the sport, um, you have to have an online presence.
0: Would you ever, um, I I know you mentioned that Instagram wasn't your favorite platform and again, you prefer like podcasting stuff. Do you think there could ever be a day where you'd feel comfortable just saying, I'm only going to be in podcasting. I'm only going to be on my website and, uh, I'm just, I'm going to do, I'm going to pull a Claire. Like I'm just gonna, uh, walk away from Instagram, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I fantasize about it all the time. Um <laughs> I really do. I think um, you know, when I I was a late uh late to the game Instagrammer just because like I did not want to be consumed with it. My like name on Instagram at first when I got it in like 2014 was like poop is what we do because I didn't want anyone to follow me and you know I just wanted to like be able to see what my friends were doing um who are runners and and then I, you know Kind of through like running opportunities, like you know, I actually like Mountain Hardware back around 2014. I think they're Mountain Hardware still um, gave me a pair of free shoes, and they're like, just post on Instagram, but like you have to change your name, <laughs> and that's how like it's all started. Um, so I, I fantasize about it all the time. Um, the only thing is like the podcast, you know. Now I have a different reason to want to be on it, and it's such a good way to share. But if I could just like have someone out or just even just post about that. Like I wouldn't heartbeat like post ghost, leave yeah. it no other stuff, but yeah.
0: Well, hopefully we get to a point in time where uh, we match the person's interests and talents to the medium. And that's all like, cause I have friends who are just fantastic, like like your partner, just like fantastic photographers and they inspire people through the sport that way. But then There are people like you. I know myself, I'm not an Instagram type person. Like I don't belong on that platform. I belong where we are here right now. And uh I wish that there were just more mechanisms in place to let people feel comfortable uh living in their uh in their spiritual homes from a content creation standpoint.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Me too. And you know, I think it is uh starting to happen a little bit. And I, I hope that like by people like you and me um starting podcasts and realizing and openly talking about how that like this is you know it works for some people but just not for everyone this is what works for me that like other people are encouraged to find their medium but it you know it takes you know time resources and uh like real commitment um so you know but hopefully some people
0: What are some conversations? You mentioned that it's not just gonna be a running podcast. So I'm curious, what are some of the conversations you're interested in hosting on the platform and maybe give us a preview on some guests too?
1: Yeah, um, well, I have um, the next guest that um, I'm gonna be launching is Billy Yang. Um, and he is a runner, but I, um, and I'm so stoked for him, but I also, and I have other runners, you know, obviously my connections isn't running. Um, but right now I'm also, um, scheduled to interview some climbers and even maybe one professional surfer, um, which, uh, it look, it's looking like it's going to work out. Um, and the idea is I wanted to make sure it wasn't just a running podcast because I have so many interests, and I'd love to, you know, interview anyone who is, uh, I, I want to say high achiever, but that's not what I mean. It's because I can be different for anyone. It's like someone who has a craft that they have spent a lot of time in and um, really focused or dedicated.
0: It's like masters, their to. like mastery
1: yeah exactly and i just you know i'm so interested in the last couple of years or something that's really helped me i've had like a lifelong you know um i was like diagnosed with adhd when i was a kid yeah and like when i was i would like not hide my medication when i was a kid you know throw it away put it on my tongue and then you know, when I was a teacher, that was a great career. A kindergarten teacher is a great career for someone with ADHD because um, it's like, you know, my brain's like in a lot of ways, like a kindergartner's brain, like, pew, 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 you know, um, and I'm always active and always doing stuff. But, you know, in the last couple of years, just like accepting that part of myself and understanding it like um, and that's, you know. ADHD is like such a fun, like some people are like, ah, it doesn't exist. And some people are like, like, you know, people, you know, and I, I just, when I was a kid, I just didn't understand it. And in the last few years, just like really understanding how it makes me different, how it makes my brain work. Um, you know, that there are certain things that like I do that, like, I just thought something was wrong with me um, that I uh, was like, I I thought something was wrong with me. And then in learning more about ADHD in my adult life, I'm like, Oh, thank God, like, there's a reason for this. And I'm just not stupid. Or I'm not like, I'm not just lazy. I'm trying my best. and, And so like, but like, it's also part of the reason why I'm a good athlete and why I, you know, can have creative conversations and like the creative side of me that I like. And seeing it as like a superpower too. And I, I think anyone who has, um, is really good or passionate about it, something, whatever that is, their brains work a little bit differently, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's something in there that makes it different or makes it tick. And I think every person who's good at something, um, or has mastered something or is working to master something, their brains, you know, are just a little bit different. um, And exploring that is, you know, across all boards, across all different crafts is what I'm interested in, you know, and I just happen, my craft happens to be running. Um, And, you know, so obviously at first I'm going to interview a ton of runners, (laughs) Um, but I hope that it expands, you know, into just a ton of different, interesting people.
0: It's super cool. I think that... (laughs) in the short run, there's definitely a benefit to niching down. And like you said, having like all runners to start with, but, um, I'm even starting to feel it now myself. Like there's this inner urge to, to, to branch out a little bit and maybe interview somebody, like you said, like the surfing world, or maybe it's election season and you want to interview like a politician on environmental policy or something like there's, there's definitely, uh, I think it's a good move on your part to, to leave the door open for whichever uh, conversations you want to have and wherever the paths kind of go. I think it's super smart. Mm, um, thanks. <laughs> but uh, one 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 thing I wanted to talk about here too, um, before we transition is, and I use Dylan Bowman as an example a lot, but it seems like with the podcast and then we haven't talked about it yet, but these running camps you're doing, you're, you're putting together a lot of systems and opportunities that will allow you to stay relevant in the sport beyond when you decide to stop being a professional athlete. And, that's just an observation from me, but does that play a part in any of your decision-making here? Like, are you interested in, uh, in in being involved in the sport far past, you know, your time as, as a pro?
1: Totally. Um, I I love this sport and I, you know, have found such a home here that of course I want to stay in it. Um, And I think, but I think like, taking the mindset of like, Oh, this is so I can stay relevant. And this is so I can have a career that's true. But like, when I've tried to do that in the past, it just hasn't worked out. And so instead, like, I'm focusing on like, okay, this is something that I really like to do now, like these running camps, I love them. I have so much fun. I coach a bunch of athletes to And so I get to, it's an opportunity to get to see them, meet them in person for the first time. Some of them I've been working with for five years. And like, that's the first time we meet in person. And, and like, um, you know, and then the podcast, like, I love talking to people. I love, you know, having these conversations and the process of editing them and putting them out and, you know, hearing the feedback. And, um, I I love all the, like the everything. And, you know, the camps and the podcasts are unrelated. Like I started them for two different reasons. And like, hopefully it does keep me in this sport in a different way for a long, long time. Um, But I wasn't like actively, like I need to stay relevant. Like I need a career. And I have done that in the past. I have been like, you know, um, and not necessarily relevant, but I was like actively trying to like, you know, go like do speaking events and like forcing it as a way, um, but instead of like thinking long term of just like focusing on the carrot of like this is work that I really like, you mm. know, um, yeah. this is something that I enjoy and want to keep doing. That it's just like you know, I I think it's you know instead when you're at mile fifteen of an ultra. you're you're an idiot if you're thinking about mile 100 you're thinking about the next aid station you know um and that's it that's kind of what i like what i feel like i'm doing here is i'm just like getting to like working on little aid stations and little like trails of things that i really enjoy that hopefully will equate to a 100 mile finish or something
0: super cool well i want to uh make sure we cover these next two topics before we close up and again i think the theme here is just like shedding light on important questions that anybody that is in a position similar to you like a, either an up-and-coming athlete or a pro athlete can anchor onto and find uh value in um it's not breaking news but like about a year ago you you switched over to brooks uh, as your sponsor which i think is super cool and mm-hmm. they seem to be making a lot of really interesting moves in the trail space in in recent years and i'm wondering if you can talk about uh, first uh, just your thought process when it comes to changing sponsors and and, and when you know it's time to make a change.
1: Yeah. Um, so I was in a three-year contract with Solomon. As mentioned, I was in a three and a half year contract and that was, process was a little bit rushed. Um, and almost immediately I realized it wasn't a great fit for me. Um, I really liked some parts of it. Like I loved, that there was like team events there. Um, I loved uh, that, you know, getting to go on these like global athlete summits where I'd go to really amazing places with the best athletes in the world. And um, I loved getting to go to the Annecy Design Center and like having a input or like being in meetings about products and getting to talk to people and, but I, like, didn't like, um, first of all, like, I didn't actually like the shoes. I The shoes really gave me huge problems. Um, and, and so that's the first thing that when I was looking for a new shoe sponsor, um, which I was actively looking, like, um, as soon as I was allowed to and within my contract, I gravitated to Brooks because um, which, who I sought out, like, I when Tyler and I, my agent, Um, who I, you know, hired right before negotiating contracts for 2020, you know, for 2021, I think I signed. Um, I was like, I, I told him I really would like to work with Brooks just because I have a track and road background and like, I always wore Brooks there. And then I wore Brooks trail shoes to begin with. And those were like, I just, I hadn't run in Brooks shoes in a really long time, but I, I, um, always knew from when I high school college that they worked the track and road shoes worked for me. And then, um, um, and then I loved the pure grits. I like bought them on eBay, um, used, I bought used shoes as my first trail shoes and like, they were amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then, so I, um, I knew it was time then like, I didn't like the shoes. I also had like, while the team was cool, um, It is, I felt like um, if you weren't, I felt like only appreciated as an athlete instead of just like, like not like, I I felt like no one was trying to get to know me as a person too. And I'm just like, I'm a thinker and I'm a talker and I I love, you know, examining anything with anyone and like to, to just be like boxed as an athlete that who's like expected to be an athlete hundred percent of the time was really, um, challenging for me. Um, and, uh, you know, it works for some people, some people really thrive in that, but I just, I didn't. Um, and then the other thing is like, it was extreme. That team was extremely competitive. Like if you weren't like at the top, then you weren't getting invited to the athlete summit, the like global fancy athlete summit, which huh. like, um, you know, and to always feel like you're competing with your teammates um, was not healthy for me.
0: Mm. By the way, I don't know why I'm reminded of this, but you uh, you did an episode with Dylan last year, and you talked about your process for reaching out to Brooks. And as somebody who has done like a lot of outbound prospecting and tracking down the right people to connect with, I totally admired your process of like <laughs> finding the email, going on LinkedIn, going on Facebook. I was like, yes, that is how athletes should do it. I love that.
1: Yeah. Oh my God, I wanted to work with Brooks so badly. And I love their, like, you know, I, I, I don't even, you know, it's so weird because I hadn't run in their shoes in a very long time. Um, and I really didn't know much about the status of the trail team. But like, I had this like, you know, gut feeling that Brooks was the right brand. And I was getting offers from other brands and I was just like, I ah, just like, don't want to give up on Brooks um and Tyler was like are you sure like <laughs> we haven't heard a peep from Brooks we don't even know if they have a trail team and um I'm so glad that it happened um and the just like the whole culture is like so I, I think it was like maybe that run happy culture that pulled me to you know I had a history with them it's what I knew it was like coming home and then you know since they have built like the whole run happy campaign which is like I wasn't there yet, but that's what I was kind of striving for is like that run happy um, thing. And I think running happy is like running fast, no matter how fast it is. So,
0: Well, you've had a, a ton of experience interfacing with these brands over the last five years. And for any listeners out there that maybe are at a point now where you were at in 2017, do you have any advice for them in terms of best practices or how to handle these relationships and navigate the world as, as a sponsored athlete?
1: Um, yeah, definitely. Um, my first piece of advice is take your time in the negotiation process. Like, um, the, you know, the impulse is to just get it over with because it's uncomfortable. It's Mm. super uncomfortable, especially for women. Um, And luckily they're like my manager's a woman, Julie. um, And there's a lot more female managers out there now, hopefully, but like a lot of it, you're talking to men who sometimes like don't even know the sport that well. um, And, you know, it's, it's, and then it's, it's just hard to ask for stuff and to advocate for yourself. And so you want to speed it up. So it's over fast. Um, But take your time and, You know, make sure you're signing with a brand that you're aligned with. um, You know, and as I said, like start with the shoes. Like, do you actually like the shoes? Like, do not sign with a brand where you don't like the shoes. Um, And you know, that start there, and then go through every single line of the contract, and you're like, okay, like, is this? Am I being taken advantage of here, or is this like, you know? are they like, is there a scenario here where I get screwed? Um, and if so, like, you got to think two reasons, okay. like, or two things, you know, you talk to them about it, understand it. And B, if they're like not budging on it, and if it's something that really is going to screw you be like, okay, is that the type of brand I want to work with that, like, you know, is not willing to budge at all on stuff that, like, is only bad for the athlete. Like, it's, you know, um, and again, all of that takes time. That takes like time and in being intentional and asking for help. Like, and if you know anyone, you know, I, I, in, in the first time around, I was like leaning on my friends who are lawyers. I was just reaching out to anyone that I could find and who would talk to me. And yeah, you know, and I still rushed the process. Um, but uh, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Talk openly about the process. Um, and uh you know just advocate for yourself
0: you mentioned uh, earlier on having an agent Do you, would you recommend having an agent for other athletes
1: yes and in fact my agent tyler in this last like two weeks i've given his contact to like five people um i was i'm super lucky to have been one of his first two athletes um so i've worked with him for like two and a half years now and having someone on your team, um, to do that with, uh, to like go through this process is huge. Having an advocate for you that only is looking out for you. Um, and then also, um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. Like, you know, growing with someone too, like Tyler and I have gotten to know each other really well. And like, there's been growing pain sometimes, um, you know figuring out what types of partnerships worked for me and then like another thing is like you know at first she was doing all the brand relationship stuff and i realized that didn't work for me because then i didn't know the brand that i was working for um but i i highly recommend finding someone to represent you as an athlete um even like it's worth every penny um but I will say, you know, there's a lot of snakes out there. So be confident in who you talk to and like, mm-hmm. don't sign a contract either without knowing exactly what you're signing. The con- the uh, the manager, the, the uh, agent that reached out to me in 2017 was like, you know, he was going to take 25% of everything, including prize money that I got, including like random bonuses, like stuff that he didn't negotiate any money that I was going to make. And, you know, he sent me this contract and that was in the fine print. And luckily I had a lawyer friend that like was like, let me look over that, wow. you know? And he just like was super pushy about it. I didn't even know him or anything about him. And he called me up and was like, this is what we're going to do. Here's who I've talked to for you already. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you, you don't know me. How could you possibly talk to anyone for me? Um, so like make sure you're, you know, I'm lucky. I, I feel like I'm the best agent in the business. Um, and, uh, you know, it's someone, the other thing that I was gonna say is like, the benefit of having an agent is like, they'll call you on it when you're messing up. Um, and like, he was sympathetic to, I had just like extreme personal life stress over the last two years. And um, he understood that. But when the time was right, you know, he was like, all right, like you gotta change. You gotta step it up. You're, you know, he, he basically told me that like, I, this opportunity to be this professional athlete was not coming back. If I lost it, mm. he was like people, brands talk. If you lose Brooks, um, you know, you're not going to get resigned. And, um, you know, that was a really pivotal moment for me. And I was I I thought I was really trying hard um and getting and I, I'd like come out of this personal life stress and I was trying to get back into training. Um, but I just like didn't know how really. And just that one conversation, just being called out by someone who knows the brands and someone who knows you is like, you know, and is just like a professional, you know, he's good at what he does. It it changed everything for me. And I, you know, I got my life together. I started, you know, organizing my day. Um, I got help, you know, part of it is I had, you know, I needed professional help um, to help me like, conquer some stuff that I was dealing with. And like, you know, everything changed, like within a month of that conversation. So, you know, all good reasons to have an agent. Ah. That's a big one.
0: That's a great, that's, that's awesome. Um, I think we'll end with this. You had a great recent blog post. I think you might've been summarizing the most recent B-Rad episode, but you, you talk about this balance between passion and professionalism in training and racing, which I thought was a really great thought experiment. I had never put it in those terms before. Uh, the reason I bring that up is, uh, you know, we talked about UTMB Mexico earlier. I'm curious in that context, uh, what your are ambitions, your, your, your plans are for, uh, like 2023 and beyond, like, what do you want to accomplish from an athletic standpoint in the sport in the next few years?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, that's like such an interesting question. And I have these like really big goals that I am chasing just like I was chasing a win at Western. Um, but I'm, I'm, The biggest thing is, like, I'm running to the goals like I was at Western. You know, I was running to that. Um, And so my goal for 2023, like, leading up to Puerto Vallarta um, 100, I've had, you know, a very good training block despite challenges. Um, And I have – been you know methodical and gotten things in even when this it seemed like the schedule wouldn't allow i've made i made it a priority and um made like the little things a priority you know i had like uh, for people who don't know like i broke my back in 2015 and um that takes an extreme amount of physical therapy all the time to be you know, running 80 to hundred miles a week in training that takes an extreme amount of care. And like, you know, to continue the professionalism, the amount of professionalism to take care of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, and do it, just do it and not make excuses for it. Like, you know, stuff, is, you're not going to get everything done um, all the time, but like it has to be a priority if like racing is a priority and racing healthy. So like, I want to race really healthy, which I haven't done um in a very long time. Like even Western states, Grand Canyon, I had like all this nerve pain. But at least like I wasn't crippled. Leadville, I started to like 2019 is when I really started to unravel. Um and then I just like, you know, this is the first time that I've been able to take the steps back and it's been slow and it's been good. Um so continuing to do that and feeling um, as good as I have been the last couple of weeks, you know, and then racing hard with a lot of heart, um, and without like, you know, I in the past I've had a habit of, you know, it's it's been like self self sabotage, like not setting myself up for success, yeah, even though I really really want to, and that's it's not intentional, and you know where I've talked about. Or I've like talked about ADHD a little bit and that's something that I've learned in the last year that is typical of people with ADHD, even if they really want something, it's like the starting of it or the transitions have been really hard. So like getting ready for a race, not leaving that till like, you know, 8 PM the night before the race or like not leaving, you know, stuff like that or like getting ready or getting or travel you know, like, oh, shit, the race is next week. I got to book a flight, you know, <laughs> um, stuff like that. And just being prepared. And I think um, overall, just being intentional about all of it, which I haven't been. Um, mm. And I think going after these goals um, really unabashedly and without any self-sabotage to hide behind is what I hope for um, for 2023.
0: Amen. Well, I want to say before we go how much I appreciate your openness and your, willing to, your willingness to share your story. Um, I, I saw a tweet the other day. It was from a guy named Dom Grossman, who, uh, you know, fellow prominent runner in the sport. And uh, he was remarking on the Era Vipa film that just came out about Eric Sensman running the Cocodona 250 and Tim Tolofsen's video about dealing with uh, body dysmorphia. And he basically says, like, what a great time in the sport because we're, we're having conversations and we're making content that we couldn't have made even five years ago because, you know, the theme then was all about like the, the glorification of the positive, as opposed to celebrating, um, the tragedy that can often, uh, be undercurrent to all of that. So I don't know. I, I, I really think that this is a, an important conversation to have. And I, I appreciate you you know willing to be public about it. And, uh, and it's just a great time for you too, like the podcast, the athleticism, everything. It's, uh, it seems like things are coming together and, uh, it's all well-deserved. We'll make sure to link to it all in the show notes. Um, but is there anything else you want to leave the audience with before we go?
1: Um, no, I, I thank you so much. It's been a blast. You're easy to talk to. So it was fun. Thanks for, for chatting with me.